From Bainbridge Island to the Villages. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in America. Buckeye to Abbotsford. Five out, baby, yeah! St. George to Rochester and all points in between. If you've heard of pickleball or you already play it, then you know. This is the Pickleball Show. This is Deb Harrison of PicklePongDeb.com, and here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Live from the PBX Club Studios in Asheville, North Carolina, it's the Pickleball Show. I am your host, Chris Allen, joined today by a panel of guests that have come straight back from the U.S. Open Pickleball Championships. That was a a significant event in the history of pickleball, and uh, sounds like everybody had a great time down in Naples, Florida last week. Today, I'm joined by Mark Rennison up in Collingwood, Ontario, Canada from ThirdShotSports.com. Hey, Mark. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Doing well, thanks. And also from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Marcus Luke. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Doing well, too. And uh, out in California, Palm Desert, California, I believe, is Morgan Evans. Hey, Morgan. G'day, Chris. How you doing, mate? Doing well. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. And you guys are spread all across the country, uh, uh, or actually across the continent today. But last week, you guys were all on the same court or sharing the same venue there in Naples and uh, wanted to do a little U.S. Open post-game show and get your impression of uh, how things went, what things you liked, what things maybe you think might need a little tweaking for the next U.S. Open Pickleball Championship coming up uh, April 25th and through the 30th uh, in 2017. They've already announced the date for it. Let's start with that first. Things uh, taking place the last week in April. How was it weather-wise down there, Mark, going from just a couple of hours north of Toronto and now going down to the the heat and the humidity of central Florida? That must have been a big adjustment for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Actually, when I left Canada in my town, we still had snow on the ground. And so I learned my lesson from going to Nationals last year that I don't do so well if I just show up a couple days before and and expect to acclimatize that quickly. So uh, I took my time. I I spent uh, nine days down there before the tournament started just to get some training in and get used to the weather. It was tough. It's hot out there. And, you know, whatever the temperature says on the uh, thermometer, it's always a little bit more than that on the court once you get the, the radiating heat. The California weather, you, you were used to the heat, Morgan, but probably the humidity was something different for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it really hits you like a, a punch in the face when you, you first get out there and run around. Just going through three or four shirts in a, in a day was tough on the laundry cycle, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> and Marcus, did you have any, uh, any trouble adjusting or are you uh, kind of used to it from previous tournaments you've played down there? I'm from South Georgia, so the humidity is extremely high there. And then North Carolina, you know, certain times of the year, humidity just as high. But they were saying that even being down there, that was a little bit higher than what it normally was at that time of year. I think it hit 90 several days while we were down there. Mm -hmm. So I was used to it. I think it was an equalizer for some of us that had played in it for quite a while. But man, the talent level, they they adjusted pretty quickly to the humidity (laughs) and and still had an easy time of it. Well, and I heard from somebody who said that a lot of people... in, in some of the lower levels, especially had to withdraw for heat exhaustion, uh, I guess, especially into like day three, day four. I think it's an extreme shock. I mean, what I, what I came to see is, and this is just pickleball players in general, you all get there and you're hyped. Uh, first day, even if you got knocked out, 
you know, if somebody asked you to play, you played. So people were playing dozens of games that first day, even if it wasn't within the tournament. So by the third or fourth day, everybody was just <laughs> drained, depleted, you know, dehydrated. So yeah. next year, I think I'll take back and not play as many extra games until, you know, everything's said and done. But I saw the medics get called many, many times over the three or four day event. So. Well, and what do you think about the the placement in terms of the time of year? Would it be better going forward to to scoot it a little bit closer to the beginning of April? What do you think, Morgan? Yeah, I think obviously they they look at the calendar and try to pick a a time of the year where there aren't so many other big tournaments. I think they were able to use the Lamaster Davison tournament as a good warm up, where a lot of the a lot of the better players mm-hmm. uh, got together and got to kind of iron out a few things before the Open. So depending on how the other tournaments shift they could certainly bring it back a little bit however at the end of the day everybody's experiencing the same thing out there and those who are who are their best prepared will prevail you look at Carl Yates in the final there of the singles you know he's out there running around like a headless chicken and <laughs> it seems like he's got the same energy in the last game as he did the first but we've all got to be equally prepared and I think some people are going to start wearing sweatsuits uh, a couple of weeks before. I know certainly I tried to um, to increase my level of uh, hydration two weeks before drinking a lot more fluids and electrolytes just in case my body's not quite prepared for that level of humidity. Well, and it seemed to, to work for you. You and your partner, Marcin Rospetsky, took uh, gold in the men's 30-plus. Success on your part, too, Marcus. You and uh, and your partner, is it Tommy Boyette? Yeah. Silver in the men's 19-plus. So you guys both did well. I know, Morgan, you're one of the few people, I guess, recently who can claim that they actually beat Dave Weinbach. Um, so that's, that, uh, that's quite a feat to be able to do that. It seems like he's just on fire lately. Um, what, what was the, the key to, uh, to overcoming, uh, his game? Well, obviously when, when you play Dave, you test him early to see if there are any chinks in the armor. If you catch him on the first day or first few days of the tournament where he's not quite as warm, there are possibilities, but he's, he's just so fast reacts so quickly to the ball and reads the play and yet seems to look very relaxed out there doesn't waste too much energy in that particular final his uh, his partner Rafa wasn't having his his best moment on court uh, he got his revenge on me in the uh, mixed doubles pro bronze so I'm sure he'll be happy about that <laughs> um, so we, we actually picked on Rafa in that one and uh, and have success that way so dave is is a formidable adversary um i think we've all seen what he can do you had faced off in the uh, lamaster davison classic you faced off against him and uh, oliver strecker in the finals of that one so and that was just what three weeks prior it's nice to see him so often um well it's it's bittersweet to see him so often, um, <laughs> knowing that you have to deal with him. We had a different um, sort of game plan at the Lamaster Davis in the courts, and uh, Marcin and I playing in our first kind of tournament together, we really went for a, a smash and grab tactic um, and tried to overpower the game. In Florida, we didn't quite have the energy for that particular game. I, I unfortunately suffered from some horrible food poisoning the day before, so I relied on Marcin to pick up the slack and help us go through a slightly more relaxed pace. There's a video of the uh, Lamaster Davison match that you guys played in, and uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. But boy, I mean, you guys all are firing bullets, but Marcin 
you can't even follow the ball. Some of his shots that he was sending over the net, they were just so, so fast. I, I don't think I would uh, stand on the other side of the court against him without wearing some eye protection. Or <laughs> maybe I might not even be a spectator. I might even watch him play without wearing some eye protection. Yeah, no, he's, he's a force when he's out there and he's on form. I'm, I'm just happy to be uh, usually on the same side of the net. Now, one of the things that I've heard people say, uh, Mark, and I wanted to get your take on this. Some people were saying, you know what, uh, we need to spread the wealth around a little bit. And they were saying it might not be fair to have the pros play you know in the amateur level uh if, if you're in the pro level just go ahead and stick to the pro level and uh let you know let the amateurs give them a chance to win uh in their in their particular categories and we'll go around the 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 table here but mark what's your take on that uh, starting with you well i think um the idea of the of the professional player or the pro category was new for this tournament, right? Um, typically you see 5.0 um, or open being the, the top category and, and hereby introducing this new level of, of professional. It was an interesting experiment and we'll see what the feedback is like. Really what it came down to is you had to be a 5.0 player and you entered that tournament and what happened is you got, you got one shot at it. You got one qualifying match and you know, it's luck of the draw. You play that match, if you win, you're now officially in the main draw of the pro event. And if you lose that first round match, you still play in the 5.0. So I don't think it's necessarily the people who are out there making their living playing pickleball, because frankly, there's not that many of those. Mm -hmm. But it was a way of identifying the top of the top. I think that pickleball does need a way to, to do that. And this is one experiment and how it might be possible. What about you, Marcus? Did you feel like if you're, if you qualify for the pro category, maybe you should opt out of the, uh, the age bracket or the skill level, the lower level categories, just to give other people a chance to stand on the podium? Not necessarily. I think the, the pro division is something that the pickleball as a whole had to do to get that next level of a, a rating started because everybody's bunching up in that 5.0. Mm -hmm. you, know, you progress, you progress, you progress. But then there's also some 5.0s, Morgan, Mark, Marcin, Kyle, that you know are way above the normal 5.0. So I don't know if they're going to continue to call it a pro division or if they go to a 6.0 or, you know, I know there's some talk about changing the ratings, but yeah, I don't think you should punish or, or make the pros not utilize the venue and the tournament format and not be able to play in more than just one event because they're players just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think we should make them just stick to one division. And it gives the guys a chance to play those names that you wouldn't if they just stuck in the pro division. I mean, the thing I enjoyed the most about going down there is I got to be on the court with the names and the people I've seen so much through social media. And it just gave me a little bit of a watermark of where my game is and what I need to do to hopefully get a little bit better. All right. Well said. And Morgan, what's your take? I think obviously right now it's kind of the Wild West uh, in the pickleball frontier. We're trying to figure out the way forward, but it has to start somewhere. And I think this was a good test to see if it's an idea that will be embraced by the community, how to go about it. I think once the new rating system, I'm hoping that still is um, going to happen. I think that'll help create a, an official kind of ranking. At the moment, the points that we receive from the USAPA, it's not sort of widely publicized and no one's really sure who the best men's doubles player or women's doubles player is, except when you're on the court and you know the player opposite you is um, is Dave Weinbach or Wes Gabrielson, <laughs> someone like that who... Um, you know, has that presence. That said, we're all kind of in the same boat together and everyone's enjoying this wild ride and figuring out, I guess, a, a bit like tennis in the uh, in the 60s when it was making that transition from 
amateur to professional. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not quite, but we're all hoping that it's going to be a uh, a transition towards one of us being on the box of Wheaties at some point. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you were on that Wheaties Wheaties box, you'd be on there with your uh, your Engage Blade paddle, which is a new paddle that's come out from uh, Engage. It's the I guess Robert Elliott and the Engage crew. It's their take on the uh, the Brian Jensen XL paddle, the oblong paddle. It's so uh, it's way longer. How long have you been using that paddle, Morgan and uh, and what did you use before that? Well, I, I used the, the Pop um, XL before that, the uh, aluminum XL, sorry, aluminum. <laughs> I, uh, I, I used that and I, I started using the, the Pop XL back in Vegas, uh, I think the West Regionals in 2015. And I just noticed that it helped me use my, my normal tennis swing. I still play um, and teach tennis. I kind of wanted a way to be able to use tennis um, as good cross-training and having a paddle that allows me to use the same forehand and backhand swing without having to, to drastically change just how much I have to pull up on the ball to, uh, to impart some topspin. That really helps me have one sport help another. Yeah, and you can uh, see the uh, the spot on your paddle where uh, where it's worn and it's kind of dirty. You can tell it's it's up, it's way up high on the head of that paddle. You're definitely taking advantage of those extra couple of inches that uh, that the uh, the engage blade offers you. So uh, you're not not uh, letting any of that go to waste. Any of that additional torque either matthew blom has talked about the the additional torque and the little bit of an extra angle he can get uh with those couple of extra inches in addition to the reach if he needs to reach in the the kitchen or that kind of thing as well so you're making good use of it thanks mate trying my best (laughs) now what did uh what did you guys see uh equipment wise any other innovations anything new mark did anything jump out at you i also spent some time hitting with the blade and I'd echo what Morgan said. It, it feels great when you hit it cleanly. And I think I think the extra length um, suits tennis players well. The difficulty is that because it's so narrow, um, if you don't hit the ball cleanly, which becomes a lot easier to miss hit, you really feel it. So I know that there's some players, Morgan's uh, sort of an exception. He uses the same one, the blade, both in singles and in doubles. But I know other people in doubles where there's, there's more sort of quick reflex volleys that you need where you're less likely to hit cleanly. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes use more of a standard paddle. Marcus, what did you see strategy-wise? Did you see any new uh, techniques on the court? I was really surprised at the higher levels, how the hard hitting is still very prevalent. When I started, you know, being from a tennis background, I came on the court or on the pickleball scene and basically just tried to beat the ball to death and, you know, use the tennis strokes to win the points in pickleball. And I was told time and time again, I need to slow it down, which I learned how to do fairly quickly. But man, some of those Morgan Mark included, man, they're phenomenal being able to just pound the ball when they want to. But like Mark said, at a moment's notice to slow the point down and to get into one of those kitchen battles is just great. But I saw a lot more hitting hard from the baseline to start the the rally than I was expecting. But um, strategy wise, you know, I think it's just evolving, being able to mix the two between the the hard tennis strokes and the, the soft game. So do you guys think the U.S. Open Pickleball Championships have gone ahead and established themselves as one of the major tournaments from their very first tournament? 
it's a trailblazer and I think now it behooves the rest of the, the tournament calendar to decide quickly if they're going to follow suit and offer pro division players and, and keep the ball rolling. But with a name like the US Open, it's going to be hard to keep up. With the amount of players they had, the amount of press coverage, it's going to be hard to beat. How they choose to improve upon this year's US Open in the following years is really going to set them apart or keep them in the same kind of pack. I do hope that uh, we'll have more professional events. Playing something like singles out there in the humidity, it's uh, when you're not winning, it's not much fun. <laughs> but if there's a, a lot of money at the end of the day, then that helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can use the, the money to fan yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would say, Chris, um, you know, I, I know coming back here and people asking me how it, went, how it was, what was it like, uh, in my mind, they set a new standard. And between Tara Graham and Chris Yvonne and Jim Ludwig, and importantly, the team of volunteers, like the number of volunteers that were there to both help out the spectators, you know, and to make sure everyone knew what was going on, but to make things easier for the players as well, was phenomenal. And so they really did set a new standard, I think. And I know speaking with some of the organizers, they're not satisfied. They ran a good event. They ran an event that people will talk about for a long time, but they know that there's always going to be kinks the first year you do it, and they're actively working to to make next year's even better. Sounds good, and we certainly are going to look forward to that. That, again, is coming up April 25th through the 30th, 2017. That will be the second U.S. Open Pickleball Championships, and we will see what the future holds. It's an exciting time to be a pickleball player, and uh, especially to be a top player. And uh, Morgan, where uh, where will you be playing next? Uh, the next tournament. Well, I'm actually I'll be playing at my uh, my own tournament. I, I host a, a series of tournaments here in the desert, um, and I've got one coming up in a couple of weeks. I was going to ask Gigi Lamaster about this, but uh, I forgot to. I could ask you, is it bad form to win your own tournament? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I've, I've fallen victim to that a couple of times. But I, I, from my point of view, I think if there, uh, if there isn't money involved, then it's not such a conflict for the director to, uh, to play. Uh-huh. Um, but the, when the point comes where I, I start offering prize money, I, I'll remove myself from the, the field. Oh, I got um, you. But it is poor, <laughs> poor form, certainly. And I apologize to all those who, uh, who I beat in the way. And well, what about you, Marcus? Where are you playing next? Uh, I'm playing Georgia Mountain, the John Halls tournament in a couple of weeks, and then North Carolina has their two big tournaments coming up in June with the Powerade, and then uh, the USA Masters is going to be in uh, July, and then I'm hoping to go out to the Tournament of Champions and the Nationals, see the big boys again in, a, in several months, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Mark, you got Canadian Nationals coming up? Uh, yeah, we've got Canadian Nationals coming up in Kelowna. I'm also planning on playing Tournament of Champions. Sounds good. We look forward to seeing all of you guys on the court. That's uh, Mark Rennison from ThirdShotSports.com, Marcus Luke in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Morgan Evans in Palm Desert, California. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks, Chris. And you know, Marcus Luke mentioned that one of his favorite experiences from the U.S. Open Pickleball Championships was being able to share the court with the cream of the crop, the top of the top. And that's one of the things that you can do at Pickleball Summit. There are just a few slots left. This might be the week that we totally sell out. So if you're thinking about coming, we definitely need you to go ahead and get your tickets right now. Pickleballsummit.com. Share the court with national champion Matthew Blom, national champion Sarah Ansbury, 
TOC Masters Champion Matt Staub, the pickleball guru, Frame Carnot. They're going to be there, and we want you to be there. July 15th, 16th, 17th, pickleballsummit.com. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show, and until next week, keep them low. The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.